You know, during times when people are going through struggles and circumstances and situations, many times they lose their focus on God and start focusing on their current situation and what's going on. And uh, some people feel like it's up to them. And some people say, well, I made so many mistakes, no wonder I'm having this trouble. Others just say, you know, they got, if, if I'd only done this or that or something else. The truth is God wants us to live by faith in what Jesus did for us on the cross. We have to come to the point of believing what Jesus did for us. That's what I want to talk about today. Galatians 3. Galatians 3. Galatians 3. I'm going to eat from, read it from the NLT today. We're going to start with the sixth verse. In the same way, Abraham believed God. And God counted him as righteous because of his faith. The real children of Abraham then are those who put their faith in God. What's more, the scriptures look forward to the time when God would make the Gentiles right in the sight, right in his sight because of their faith. God proclaimed this good news to Abraham long ago when he said, all nations will be blessed through you. So all who put their faith in Christ share the same blessings Abraham received because of his faith. But those who depend upon the law to make them right with God are under, the, his, are under his curse. For the scripture says, cursed is everyone that does not observe and obey all the commands that are written in God's book of the law. So it's clear that no one can be made right with God by keeping the law. For the scriptures say, it is through faith that the righteous person has life. This way of faith is very different from the way of the law, which says, it is through obeying the law that person has life. But Christ has rescued us from the curse pronounced by the law. When he was hung on the cross, he took upon himself the curse of our wrongdoing. For it is written in the scripture, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. Through Christ, God has blessed the Gentiles with the same blessing he promised to Abraham so that we who are believers might receive the promise of the Holy Spirit through faith. Now here, the apostle is using Abraham, excuse me, as his faith. And then it says that the blessing of Abraham would come up on us through faith. Now, he talks about the natural descendants of Abraham. Then through faith, he talks about the spiritual descendants of Abraham. In this verse, in this, these scriptures, these scriptures that we just read, the word believe or the word faith is used nine times. I believe it's eight times as faith and one time as believe. He's emphasizing the necessity of faith in what Christ did at Calvary. So I just want to sharpen our faith a little bit this morning and realize no matter what we're going through or what's happening, 
we have to believe what Jesus did for us at Calvary in order to receive all the blessing of Abraham. You know, now I'm gonna, I'm gonna go at this from three different, three things this morning. First of all, I wanna talk about the all sufficiency of Christ's redemptive work. You know, we can't add to or take away from what would happen on the cross. When we do, we will find ourselves in the sinking sand of unbelief. And, you know, we live in a day and age when some people are trying to say, well, now, wait a minute. It's that dying on the cross and all of that stuff. And that's, that's just impossible. Why are you even thinking that direction? And then, of course, you got the people that are going with their their logic and their reasoning. And we do need logic and we do need reasoning in the natural. But you, you, you can't reason out what happened on the cross. It's not logical. It's not reasonable. But it's real. Hello. You know. And then... Some people say, well, how can the shedding of blood uh, bring redemption? That's, that's an unacceptable thing. Well, it may be to some people, but if you study the word of God, you'll find out, and we'll talk about this later, that redemption from sin has always been by the blood. First of all, in Egypt, the blood on the doorpost, then the blood at the cross. Hello. You know, (laughs) some people, you know, try to say, well, all of this is unnecessary. There's other ways to God. No, there's not. The Bible plainly says There's only one way, and that's through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. In verse 13, it says, Christ has rescued us. It didn't say Christ and somebody else and Christ and other gods. It's Christ alone. On the cross, he looked up heavenwardly and said, My God, my God, why has thou forsaken me? And he said, it is finished. Many people don't understand that, but when he said it is finished, he was saying the redemptive work that I am doing is complete once and for all. This is not a continued story. Now, under the law, it was a continued story because every year they had to kill the goat, take the blood of the golden blank, take it into the Holy of Holies there. And they had to put the blood on the scapegoat and turn it loose in the wilderness. 
for the covering of sin. They had to do that every, every, every year. But now the blood of the Lamb of God was slain on Calvary once and for all. One time. You know, back then under the law, it was installment plan. Once a year, they had to make a payment. Come on now. I mean, us in this day and age, that might make more sense to us. We understand making, making a payment, <laughs> right? You know, we used to sing a song, Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. Sins had left a crimson stain. He washed it white as snow. The writer of Hebrews is convinced of the all-sufficiency of Christ's redemptive work on the cross when he said in Hebrews 9, 12, with his own blood, not the blood of goats and calves. And see, that's what we were just talking about. He entered the most holy place. See, that's where they would take the blood in the most holy place. Once and for all and secured our redemption forever. You know, he did for us what we could not do for ourselves. We could not redeem ourselves, but he redeemed us. <laughs> you know, used to, when I was a kid growing up and then, and probably some of you've heard these songs, they used to, they used to sing songs like, my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. On Christ the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. Now, if it had been Pastor Ted over, I mean, <laughs> well, Tad, he probably would have sung that or Pastor Bill because they sing or Pastor Denise, they can all sing. And me and Craig, no, that's not our deal. So I just, so I just read it. <laughs> Miss Lynette, she could sing. What some of y'all don't know about this lady, she, she was in, when she was in Bible, same Bible school I went to, but I was gone when she got there. And uh, she was in the Harvester Choir, which was, I mean, man, you had to really be good to get in that choir. And she can play an organ and, and she can play this organ right over there. She can play a piano and she can sing, but she won't do it anymore. <laughs> she used to. There's another song that they used to sing that I like. I will sing of my redeemer and his wondrous love for me on the cruel cross. He suffered from the curse to set me free. Oh, sing, oh, sing my redeemer of my redeemer. With his blood, he purchased me. On the cross, he sealed my pardon, paid the debt, and made me free. Anybody ever heard those songs? Yeah, I see several hands there. You know, back when I was younger and a kid, and just, you know, World War II was on and just ending. I mean, man, 
They didn't, they wasn't much hope. <laughs> people were looking, were looking to God. Now there's all kinds of other things that get people's attention. But have you ever noticed that when there's a crisis, people start talking about God? Hello. We have to come to the realization that everything that we have, everything we receive, it's by faith on the all-sufficiency of what Christ did at Calvary. Now, another truth I want to talk about is our humanity's insufficiency. The battle many people face is letting go of what we can, what they can do or we can do and recognizing Christ's redemptive work is sufficient. You know, letting go of past mistakes and failures. Letting go of past successes and accomplishments. When Paul is writing there in Philippians, he says, forgetting all, forgetting the past. Now he had a lot of failures and he had a lot of successes. He was there telling the people, go on, throw another stone. Stone went the stoning of Stephen. He might've been the one holding the coats. I don't know. But then he turns around and Christ redeemed him. And now he become the greatest missionary that the world ever known. Establishing the Corinthian church, the Ephesian church, all the churches in Asia. And he said, this one thing I do, what? Forgetting. By press toward the mark of the high calling. You know, it's not our education or lack of it. It's not our intelligence. All of that, we got to let go of that. That's insufficient. In fact, our physical abilities and natural strengths can't lead us to redemption. Y'all there? Y'all gone home already. It doesn't matter who you are your social status or your spiritual status. Some people look at some people and put them on a pedestal spiritually. There's no such thing as that. We're all children of God. We all believe God the same way. We all have trials and troubles the same way everybody does. Now, we do recognize that some people have a call on their life, but you don't put them on some kind of pedestal up here. Hello. Dad was always saying, hey, it's not me, it's God. Some people would talk about how great he was, and he was a great man. A great, he was a great man, a great man of God, a great father, a 
great-grandfather. But you see, none of that has anything to do with receiving and following God. You know, some of the most unlikely people have gone out and done exploits for God. You can see it in the word of God, Peter, James, John, fisherman, Paul, very educated man. Some say he went to the University of Tarsus if you study his life. And some say that possibly he was a doctor of the law and maybe at one time was a part of the Sanhedrin. None of that is, can be verified, but that's what's said. Right. Yes, yes. <laughs> you know, I was it, it, just, stop, just thinking, a young man in May of 1980 graduated from Rhema. And he bought a one-way ticket to the Philippines. Didn't know anybody there. And landed in Manila with 20 U.S. dollars in his pocket and didn't know anybody. His name was Mike Keyes. And he has built a tremendous organization for God and of course has one of our Ramas in, in there. I, I was there on the island Mindanao where he's at. I was there. We preached there. You see, I'm saying all that to say you don't have to be somebody in order to receive from God. All you have to do is simply say I believe and just just go. Go for it. Our battle sometimes is to get our eyes off of what we can do and rely entirely on the sufficiency of Christ. You know, when I found out Mike's story, I was talking to him, I said, why in the world did you do that? Because he was just, just young, his 20s, I think, early 20s. And he said, well, and I forget who it was, from the Philippines came and spoke to the class that year. And he just said, I felt a call. I felt led to go there. And so I just realized that it wasn't me in the first place. So I just did what I thought I could, thought was supposed to do. Sometimes we've got to, if he looked at it in the natural, what he did in the natural is crazy. Hello. Don't know anybody there. Buy a one-way ticket and land in Manila, Philippines with only 20 U.S. dollars in your pocket? That sounds stupid, if you might. <laughs> in the natural. But when we forget about all of that and look 
to who Jesus is and what we have in Jesus. You know, my dad used to say, acting in faith, stepping out of the aching void of nothing under you except the word of God and what Christ did for us at Calvary. That's what he did. See, there is nothing that we are sufficient at to receive from God in ourselves. Hello. Abraham, here the right Paul uses Abraham in Galatians. You realize he had to let go and just believe the promise of God. He had to stop trying to figure out what and how God was going to make this promise come through. I'm sure he had to stop listening to everybody else's ideas. And he had to stop trying to produce a son and according to his own human reasoning. Abraham only got what he got by believing God. He realized his humanity was insufficient. We have to learn to trust the all-sufficient work of God. You know, we don't have anything to stand on except Christ, the rock of our salvation. No matter what's going on in our lives, he is sufficient and we are insufficient. I want to say this and I want you to get this. God's job is to bring to pass what Jesus provided at Calvary. Our job is to turn our insufficiencies in the flesh off and believe in what Jesus did at Calvary. The redempt, we call it the redemptive plan, the redemptive act, in which it opened the door for us by faith to receive everything that God says in this word. It's not our sufficiency, it's his sufficiency. We are insufficient but he is all sufficient. You know, as you look at this, it's something that we all know. It's something that we've ever heard, that we've heard before. I just, like I said, want to sharpen our faith a little bit today. You know, Sometimes, if we're not careful, we allow the cares of life and the things that happen in our lives to begin to dull us to some of the facts that I'm talking about today. As, uh, how many of you have got 
kitchen knives that you use to cut meat or cut up vegetables stuff at your house. Any of you have a sharpener? Do you ever have to sharpen those knives ever so often? They'll still cut, but not like they used to. And that's us. We need to sharpen ourselves. Although we still believe in God and we're still walking with him. Uh, we, we've allowed the things around us and the circumstances and situations to dull us a little bit. And all I'm trying to do this morning is just sharpen us up a little bit. Hello. You know, now, as you begin to look at this, the third thing I want to deal with is the sufficiency of our faith in receiving what Jesus did for us. You know, I started out saying the title of this is Believing What Jesus Did For Us. You know, we have to learn to believe and trust the all-sufficiency of Christ's redemptive work at Calvary. Period. There's no add-tos, take-aways. This is what I think. Doesn't matter what you think. Doesn't matter what I think. Doesn't matter what anybody else thinks. Doctor know-it-all or whoever. Or the doctor don't know nothing. Don't matter. It is us believing what Christ did at Calvary. God never made a promise that through the sufficiency of Christ at Calvary and our belief in that, that ever has come up empty. Hello now. You need to get a hold of what I just said. I want to paraphrase something out of Smith Wigglesworth's book, Ever Increasing Faith. Faith needs to be taken back to the old past, to the old time faith, to believe God's word, every word of it. Then he says, the spirit of the Lord is moving in these days. God is coming forth. If you want to be in the rising tide, you must accept all God has said. Having faith in God, having faith in the redemptive act of Calvary is not archaic. In the day and age we live in, there's some people that have tried to say, well, the promises of God, you know, they've been talking about that for a long time. We've moved past that. We're into other things. No, the promises of God are still the same. They haven't changed. He said, I am God and I change not. What happened at Calvary hasn't changed. Some people have tried to change it and weave another story, but it hasn't changed. It's the same. The way we receive all of these benefits hasn't changed. It's our faith. And our faith is sufficient to receive. 
If we base our faith on anything else, then we're going to be lacking. We're going to lack in the ability to endure and stand on God's word until we see the answer. The word of God tells us having done all stand. That comes from having faith to endure. We like when we don't base our faith on the redemptive plan of God, then our receiving of that becomes not effective. Now, the nature of humanity, and it's because that Adam sold us out in the Garden of Eden, and the devil became the God of this world. Paul plainly says that in 2 Corinthians 4 4, that the devil is the God of this world. And because of that, our human flesh thinks we've got to do something. I've got to take care of this. I've got to do this. I've got to do that. Our humanity thinks that if we do do more work, we can earn it. Our humanity thinks I have to do something to make it happen. Well, in the natural, in natural things, that's true. On the spiritual side, there is nothing that you can do to help you receive the promises of God except believe. That's it. In the natural, if I want to get better at my, at my vocation, I study, I learn. If I'm playing athletics, I work hard. I work out. If I want to keep my weight under control, I watch my diet and I go work out. Those are natural things. But none of the things that we have in the natural can get us any of the, re- any of the promises of God. It all comes by our faith in the redemptive act that happened on Golgotha's hill when Jesus Christ looked up into heaven and said, it is finished. He meant that the redemptive plan was finished. The lamb of God had shed his blood and died on Calvary. And now everything that God said can come to us by faith. That's what Paul is talking about there. When he is talking about the faith of Abraham. You see, some people, they come to God, say, you know, well, I, uh, I know that I shouldn't get any healing because I, I, I probably should just stay sick because I haven't done right. I didn't take care of myself. I hadn't read the word enough. None of that has anything to do with whether you get anything from God or not. Do you believe? 
Yeah, we got to read the word, but just because you didn't read it enough doesn't stop the blessings if you believe. Now I'm going to say something here. It's probably going to blow some of his mind, but I have seen people that wasn't even, they hadn't even accepted Christ yet. Later they did, but I have seen them be prayed for and get healed because they believed when somebody told them that Jesus Christ took stripes on his back for their healing. Hello. Anybody else ever seen that happen? Oh yeah, I got lots of hands. Now that person did accept Christ because then they realized the reality of the redemptive act that took place on Calvary. You know, Galatians three fourteen. Through Christ Jesus, God has blessed the Gentiles, that's us, with the same blessing he promised to Abraham. What was the blessing that he promised to Abraham? Redemption from death, and that's not physical death, that's spiritual death. You were dead in your trespasses and sin. But you was alive, you was breathing. See, we have to understand when it's talking about death in the Bible, whether it's talking about cessation of life or spiritual death. He promised Abraham redemption from spiritual death. What else? We redeem from the curse of the law that the blessing of Abraham might come on us. He promised him health. He promised him all of the natural, in the natural, all of his needs financially to be met. That the same blessing he promised Abraham, the same blessing he promised Abraham. God, you you could read this through Christ Jesus. God has blessed me with the same blessing he promised to Abraham so that I, as a believer, might receive the promise of the Holy Spirit through faith. The blessing is through faith. Faith in what? Faith in the sufficiency of Christ's death, burial, and resurrection. Through faith, we receive. Through faith, we live. Paul said, in him, I live and move and have my being. Through faith, we receive. Through faith, we endure. Through faith, We walk through the valley of all the heartaches and trouble and trials. We don't camp there. We don't stay there. But through faith, we walk through the valley. Just like he said, Jesus said in Mark 11, 22, we all know it, have faith in God. 
And actually he went on to say then in 23, whosoever says this mountain be removed, many cast in the sea shall not doubt in his heart shall believe those things which he says, he shall have whatever he says. He is saying here, our faith in the redemptive act of Jesus Christ at Calvary is sufficient. He used a tree. See, they called his attention to the tree and that's when he said, have faith in God. That's when he went around and said, Mark eleven twenty three. 23, he is saying, you know, actually that tree was deeply rooted, but it dried up. And so having faith in the redemptive act of what he did at Calvary can change the most deep rooted problems that you have. Actually, he talked about a moving a mountain, which is an impossibility. And he's saying, if you believe in me and believe the word of God and believe what I did for you at Calvary, you can move the impossible. Now, probably not up there going to need to move a real mountain, but you got a whole, a whole lot of other mountains that you're dealing with. Our faith changed us from sinner to believer. Our faith changes us from sick to heal. Our faith in what he did at Calvary changes us from poor to rich. And rich doesn't mean what we think that rich, simply the word meant rich merely simply means just enough uh, to get by real uh, well. Hello? Our faith changed us from being living down on barely get along street right next to Grumble Alley. Change your address from 33rd and Gone Gone Street up to 100 Glory Boulevard. (laughs) The all-sufficiency of Christ's redemption work at Calvary is something we need to understand. And realizing our insufficiency in all of our human efforts will never get us any of the promises. And realizing that it is our sufficiency in our faith that gets us everything that God said belongs to us. Take your eyes off of the things around you and off of everything that everybody's saying and put our trust solely in the sufficient redemptive work of Calvary, that Christ did at Calvary and you'll begin to see things change. Quit too many people believing in themselves. Well, you need to believe in yourself in the natural things, but when it comes to spiritual things, you need to believe in Christ and the redemptive act that he has. Father, in the name of Jesus, I just tried to help these people this morning by sharpening their faith And the fact that the redemptive act on Calvary is sufficient if we believe. Thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Everybody stand. Anybody get anything out of this this morning?
just, I know I didn't say anything y'all hadn't already heard, but like I said, it's like taking your knife and sharpening it up. All it is, I just wanted to sharpen up your faith again, okay? If you happen to be in this place today and you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, or you happen to know what it is to trust God, but you just sort of got off course and you need to come back and rededicate your life to God. Or you'd like to be filled with the Holy Spirit, like it says in Acts chapter 2, verse number 4, they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, began to speak with tongues, the Spirit gave them utterance. Anybody on any one of those three invitations, if that's you, I want to pray for you and I want to pray with you. So would you just lift your hand anywhere in the room? You need Christ. You need to rededicate your life. You want to be filled with the spirit. Anybody anywhere in the room right now. Let me see your hand upstairs, downstairs, anywhere. There's a hand over here. Thank you. Anybody else? Anybody else? I'm going to wait just a minute. Thank you, Jesus. There's a hand over there. Thank you. Thank you. If you raised your hand, should have raised your hand, wanted to raise your hand, I want you to come right down here right now. I want to pray with you and I want to pray for you right now. Come on. If you raised your hand, should have raised your hand. Come on. I'm waiting on you. Come on. I'm waiting on you. Hallelujah to Jesus. Anybody raise their hand? Come on. If you raised your hand, come on now. If you wanted to raise your hand, come on. If you're in the balcony, come on down. They'll help you. Bless you, man. God bless you. Anybody else coming? Come on now. If you're in the balcony, ushers will help you get you down there. You raised your hand. Should have raised your hand. Wanted to raise your hand. Come on down here now. Come on now. Now's the time to change your life. Come on now. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. I'm going to pray with each of you and then ask you to go to a special place of prayer where you can be prayed with individually and in depth. Right now, Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you that every spiritual need in these lives are met today. In Jesus' name, amen. See Dave and Wendy right there. Would y'all just turn and follow them to a place of prayer where you can be prayed with individually in depth, given some literature. God bless you as you go with them. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Amen and amen and amen. Well, praise the Lord. Remember, it's your faith. You know, you all know that. We all know that, but we need to be reminded, okay? We need to be reminded of all of these things. How many years when you were in school that you got reminded of the multiplication table? Huh? How many years? Over and over again until it becomes such a part of you, it's still a part of you. That's why, that's why 
it's important for us to go over and over this until it becomes such a part of us that nothing can take it away from us. My dad said you can't talk about faith too much. (laughs) All right, praise the Lord. 